We are continuing in our series in the book of Mark. So if you've been here the past few weeks, we've been in the book of Mark. And this week, we are in a really great story of Jesus calming the storm on the Sea of Galilee. A really popular story. Um, but to quick recap what's led up to this, Jesus has been going around doing some healings and miracles and driving um, demons out of people, general Jesus things. And then he suddenly starts teaching all of these parables and a large crowd gathers around. Doesn't say how many people, hundreds, maybe thousands or so. And Jesus is telling these, these parables, which are these kind of confusing stories that are kind of hidden from people of their deeper meaning. And essentially setting up through the Gospel of Mark that Jesus is this long-awaited Messiah. He's this this new kind of human. And we're we're seeing him demonstrate this with his power and miracles and healing people. And then in his teaching, where he's the hero of his stories that are very confusing to people, all setting up the mystery of Jesus, that yes, he is this long-awaited Messiah, but I am, but I'm not going to act exactly like you'd expect. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit different here. And then we find this happen through the rest of the book. Oh, there we go. Um, and here's one of those sort of unexpected moments. Um, starting in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. You can read with me here. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Let's pray. Father, we, we admit that we, we come before you this morning with, with darkened eyes. Those that can't see clearly who you are though we have so many signs. God, we we open your word and we don't understand your stories just as the original hears. We pray that that here you would open our eyes, that we'd understand what you're communicating to us, that we'd walk out of here knowing a little bit more about who you are. Amen. All right, so most of us are familiar with this story. If you've grown up in church, you've heard this and You've probably heard the popular mantra, um, Jesus can calm the storms in your life, or he's bigger than the waves and the ups and downs, or whatever kind of comforting words um, people offer, which is true. I, I do believe that's true, and it's, it's very true in scriptures that Jesus can calm the storms in your life, and I hope that you take this away from that passage, but there's a deeper, potentially more important meaning in this passage. Because this story needs to be true for us all the time. What about the times when Jesus doesn't tell the storms in your life, peace, be still? What about the times when it seems like they're still raging on, or your marriage doesn't go as planned, or the cancer does take your loved one? Though Jesus can calm the storms in your life, he doesn't, always. Does the story not have a a deeper meaning for us? But 
It does. And here we acknowledge that this story is valuable to us even when Jesus doesn't say, peace, be still, into our lives. What we find is that, that though Jesus doesn't always calm the storms in your life, here he is demonstrating that he has power over those storms. He has power over healings, people, life, and death, and spiritual forces, and then now over nature itself. In Jesus, with this kind of power, that is what provides peace for us. The fact that Jesus, with this power, can calm those storms. That is the peace we're provided. Not that he does, but by having faith that Jesus is the Christ, he can turn our fears into peace. Um, we'll find this in this passage here. So if we look at right from the get-go, um, Jesus is teaching to these crowds right at the Sea of Galilee, and hundreds, thousands of people have gathered around. And then kind of out of nowhere, he says, let's go to the other side, sort of in the middle of the night here. Um, and I, I've never been to the Sea of Galilee. Maybe some of you have, um, but I have Google. And Google tells me that these kinds of storms are pretty normal in the Sea of Galilee, where it's positioned, the mountains around it kind of create a, a gigantic funnel that sort of sends cold mountain air through there. And this, it's kind of like a lake, we call it a sea, but this lake can suddenly turn into a tempest just like that. And even more dramatically, it just comes out of nowhere. It can be a bright, sunny day like this, and it can just come out of nowhere, these big storms. So this is characteristic of this place. It's not all that surprising. Um, but the disciples are hopping here on these boats, kind of on a high, right? So if you've ever... Um, been in a musical or something, and it's the last night, and everybody's, you're all pumped, you did an amazing show, or your, your soccer team, they won the game, and everybody's cheering, like the, the Owen soccer team, remember that last year? Everyone was really excited for them. Um, these are the disciples, right? Jesus is going around unwithering hands and unparalyzing people, pretty cool, and the, the disciples and followers, they're like, I'm with that guy, and they're like, yeah, and so then a big, great crowd comes around Jesus, and he's telling these confusing stories, and like, we know the meaning, and, and then everybody's sort of following him, and it's this kind of big hoorah moment, Jesus says, let's get in the boats, go to the other side, and everyone's like, hoorah, and everybody's following this crazy Jesus, then they're in the middle of the lake, and then a big storm comes. A huge, gigantic storm. And suddenly, the mood shifts a little bit, right? Um, the hurrahs, suddenly, they change to, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Right? Went from, like, Jesus, you're the best, to what is your problem? We are getting ready to die out here in the middle of this lake um, instantly. And I think we can step back for a moment and see ourselves in that, right? How often do we... Trust Jesus when things are going rather swimmingly in our lives. And then some waves come in and we go, do you not care? Do you not see that? Like, you don't care at all? What's happening in my life? Um, this is basically what's happened to the disciples here. And we see ourselves in that exact pattern. Um, Alistair Begg explains this passage. And um, it's not as if the disciples are kind of all on the boat with Jesus and the storm comes and um, then they kind of gather around like, do you think Jesus knows about this? And um, they're like, I don't know, somebody should tell him. And then they gather around, rock, paper, scissors, loser has to go in and tell Jesus. And one guy loses, like, all right. So then he, he goes and he kind of pats him on the pillow. Hey, Mr. Jesus teacher, uh, big storm outside. Um, not sure if you've seen it. Some of the guys are a little bit worried. I'm cool with it. 
Some of the guys are a little bit worried about the storm. If you could clear it up in the next hour, five minutes, an hour, you could say it. Um, that would be great. No, it, it says they, they ran in there yelling, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? They're so accusatory. They have no faith, right? What is your problem? We are all going to die. That is their attitude, um, just running in there with no faith. And again, how quickly do we turn on Jesus like that? Immediately, suddenly, trusting him as he's, he's unwithering hands, we're like, that's great. Big storm, are you, you're going to let me die. You do not care about me at all. And that, that's our attitude as well. And the disciples are seemingly saying, if I had that kind of power, I'd probably have done this differently. Maybe stop the storm before it started, or maybe let it go on briefly. And I'd definitely have done this differently if I had that kind of power. Um, it's kind of funny, sometimes in the Bible, it seems like God waits to the last minute, right, to solve situations. Like, couldn't you have done that long before we ask this question? Um, however, what we find really clear in this situation is, is Jesus has full control over this, right? He rolls out of bed and he says, peace, be still, and it stops. He's not worried. Jesus said, let us go to the other side, and he intended to go to the other side, not let us go to the middle of the lake and drown, that's not what it says. He intends to go to the other side, but they've lost faith in him. But because while Jesus slept as a man, he was watchful as God. He knew about the waves, and he intended to make it. We should trust this God. And this passage tells us why. Because waves are no match for a holy God. Waves are no match. So how does Jesus calm the waves, this, this holy God? Does he say hocus pocus and mix a thing? No, he just walks out there and he basically says, shush, like it's his buddy. Like, be quiet, and then it stops, right? And then suddenly, people are scared. It says, what does it say here? It says, peace be still, and then they are filled with great fear. And I think it's maybe the NIV says, and they feared exceedingly. I really like that word. They are now more afraid than they were when there were waves. How is that possible? Right? Like waves are, are getting ready to kill them. There are these huge, this is massive storm raging on. And then Jesus says, peace, be still. And it's still like, like a pool early in the morning. Just think of it like that. From raging to that. And now they are way more scared than they were of the storm. I think about this like uh, in Jurassic Park or, or Jurassic World or maybe with Jurassic Universe. Whichever one it was in, um, there are these velociraptors getting ready to kill these people. This happens in every movie, I guess. Um, and so they're running from them. They're quite terrified. And then suddenly, they hear these, this boom, 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 right? <laughs> what? What's happening? Suddenly, nobody could care less about the velociraptors. They... And now the velociraptors are terrified of that guy. Something so much more terrifying. A T-Rex is coming on the scene. And this is kind of what's happening here. There are these storms raging on. And then suddenly, somebody calms the storm. And now, nobody cares about the storm anymore. They're like, who is that guy? Who then is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? Right? If, if Jesus can calm the storm, maybe he could start a storm. I don't know. That's kind of terrifying. People were very afraid. And, and when people see great power, that is often very terrifying. To illustrate it, let's say you're at, you're at work and 
Your CEO walks in of your organization, you know? What, what do people generally do? Like the sloucher suddenly has great posture, right? And then those that were on Facebook are now, they're like, nope, I'm emailing something very important. And they're you know, talking on the phone, clicking away. Um, people are afraid because he has power to fire you. Um, or what about dictators? How do people act around that? Even more terrifying things can happen. But what about a god who can ordain the seas, natural disasters that, that no human should be able to tame? What about that? That is far more terrifying. And so Jesus comes along in this situation, and he, he doesn't just run the company or um, run the government. He literally ordains the sea like it's his buddy. He just says, knock it off, waves, and they, they calm down. That's scary. That is very terrifying. And we, we find this kind of fear of Jesus. Jesus as this terrifying person. Really throughout Mark, we see this a lot. I'll get to his goodness and unterrifying qualities soon. But he's terrifying, right? Um, so Jesus heals someone. Um, and people are scared, right? Or Jesus tells these, these parables and stories about him, his death and resurrection, and people are afraid. And, and the kind of climactic ending of the book of Mark that we'll get to, um, Jesus rises from the dead, right, in Easter, and we wear pastel colors and have an Easter egg con, and we celebrate, and he's risen indeed, and everybody's very happy. Um, the original people were very scared. That was a very scary thing. The last chapter in the book of Mark, it says, the women went into the tomb, and the angel tells them Jesus has risen, and it's ran away afraid. That's kind of how it ends. You might have a few more verses in your version of Mark, but that's where the story essentially ends. They ran away afraid. This, this good news of Jesus is also quite terrifying, because have you ever seen someone rise from the dead? If someone just rose from the dead tomorrow, would you be afraid? Probably. Um, Jesus is terrifying, and, and Mark kind of reannounces this over and over again. With comes with great power comes a little bit of terror. Um, if Jesus walked into this room right now, we would we would do more than have perfect posture, or or close our phones. We would likely fall on our faces in terror. He's a holy, powerful God who can ordain the seas. We have that, that understanding here, and this is being communicated that Jesus has this power, and he is so much more powerful than the waves, and, and when Jesus is in the boat, you don't need to fear the waves. Why? Not because Jesus, you know, Jesus is here, I have no need to fear it. No, because Jesus is way scarier than the waves. That's why you don't need to fear the waves when he's in the boat. But we, we aren't in the boat right now. Right? We, we have a little bit of a, a fuller picture. Um, Mark continues on, and it, it, Jesus actually tells them, do not fear, only believe, in, in chapter 5, verse 36. Jesus is casting out fear. This, this scary guy is casting out fear. Why? And, and what are we to believe? That Jesus is the Christ. And that somehow is, a, is an antidote for fear. And yeah, we aren't in the boat. We have all of Scripture before us to see this life of Jesus unfolding before us. And as we're finding throughout the book of Mark and all of these stories that kind of end on these cliffhangers, like one ends and they were filled with great fear, and then it just basically ends, and then they're out of the boat. Kind of weird that Jesus calms the storm, they're filled with great fear. And then they're out of the boat. That's how the story ends. And the Gospel of Mark, and um, Jesus rises from the dead, and the women ran away afraid. And that's how it ends. It's kind of like in a scary movie or a suspenseful movie where you don't really know what's going on. And 
right at the end, it just abruptly ends. And then everybody in the room is kind of like, what was that? That's super weird. This is kind of the feeling, I think, that Mark is trying to get us to, to have, going, what is going on? Who then is this man that even the wind and the sea obey him? He moves on to another story. And the question again, who then is this man? And we have to ask that question. It's kind of a cliffhanger for us in our own lives. Who do I say that Jesus is? Who do you say that Jesus is? And we look at his power here in this story, and I, I hope you can sense that isn't normal, the stopping the seas. I've never seen that. And have you ever seen someone unwither someone's hand? This isn't normal. This isn't a normal guy, and it's happened over and over again. He's physically healing people, and right after this, they'll get out of the boat, and Anthony will tell us next week about him driving a legion of demons out of someone. It's not super normal guy stuff. Um, but this man, what's being communicated, that has power over life, death, healings, and now nature itself. We have to ask the question, who then is this man? And I think about Jesus in the boat here leading up to this, right? And you might be wondering, like, how do they not know who Jesus is? Because Jesus calms the storm, and then they're filled with great fear, and they say, who then is this? I just imagine Jesus going like, did you see that guy's hand? Remember, it was withered, and then I unwithered it, okay? What about the paralyzed guy? Paralyzed, not paralyzed, okay? Demons in a person took him out. It's like, I don't know, who then is this man? And then he's like, okay, watch this. Waves, peace, be still. And then stopped. Like, do, you, do you see who am I? Do you not, not getting it yet? And the disciples, it says, they just sit around going, man, who, who is this guy? Some weird, I don't know, this is weird. We'll keep following him. Kind of over and over again, these people are literally in the boat seeing this, and it's still not obvious to them. And this is the most important thing, I think, in this story for us. Though we have proper evidence before us, we don't properly see who Jesus is. We don't admit that Jesus is the Christ. And the issue that you and I need fixing in our lives is, is we don't see the power that God has and we do not see clearly who Jesus is. We are the people on the boat watching him calm the storms but still can't speak audibly who this Jesus is. And there are these people in the boat. They, some of them are pretty well-versed in Scripture. And if you've ever heard the story of Jonah, maybe right now some similarities are popping in your mind about this encounter on the sea. If we look to the story of Jonah, I'm just going to kind of bounce around in it. Jonah, God has sent him to go to Nineveh, and Jonah doesn't want to. But he gets on this boat, and suddenly it says, But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. And the marinas were afraid. Similarly here. And likewise, we find Jesus asleep on the boat. Jonah, it says, Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. Like the people ran into Jesus. Like, what's your problem? They run into Jonah here. They go, what do you mean, you sleeper? Rise out and call to God. Isn't that the question they're, they're asking Jesus? Rise up. Call out to your God. What is your deal? Do you not see the storm? The same exact thing's happening here. And then, of course, um, he does call out to God, and he says, I fear the Lord, and then hurl me into the sea. And so they, they throw Jonah into the sea. And then the story ends, actually. It says, they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased its raging. 
Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And that's how it ends. Then he's swallowed by a fish immediately afterwards. It ends with that. Not that suddenly they, they hurled Jonah into the sea, the storm stopped, and everyone wore pastel colors and was super happy. It says they feared exceedingly. That word again. Suddenly, this, this, they feared the Lord exceedingly. And as we look at these similarities of story, what we're finding is that Jesus is the fulfillment of this Old Testament God that people have been waiting for, this new kind of human that can tame creation officially. We see Jonah is asleep in the cabin in fear and anxiety, and Jesus is also asleep, but not in fear and confidence, watchful as God. And Jonah, he calls out to God. But in this story, Jesus doesn't call out to God. Jesus, as God, says, peace, be still. He commands the waves himself. Jesus is showing his power over the sea as this God that Jonah has been referring to. And in the end, people are terrified and afraid. But in Jesus' story, as God, suddenly, now on the boat with them, he is able to say, be still, peace, that we might know that he's God. And, and, and Jonah, what people realize is that God is the one that ordains the seas and all of creation, and they fear that Lord. And in this story, we're supposed to now see that Jesus is this God, literally in the boat this time. He is the one that has the power over it, the God of the Old Testament the people have been waiting for. But it's, it's shocking. We, we see it clearly now, right, with all of Scripture. Okay, so Jesus is that God. And isn't it cool how stories in the Bible connect one to another? And it leaves us a little bit shocked. Like, how did they still not see clearly who Jesus is? But in our own lives, we have these stories. And you and I don't wake up every morning reminded that Jesus is king. We, we fall short of that all the time. I forget every day every hour, every minute, who Jesus is, though we have such great evidence before us, but we still demand more signs and refuse to live as if Jesus is this new kind of human who can wrangle creation as it was originally designed to be wrangled. So this, this question is turned to all of us. As we'll find in the book of Mark over and over again, the question is, who do you say that Jesus is? And in this passage, it's, it's, who then is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? And later, Jesus will say to the disciples, who do people say that I am? And they'll say, a great teacher. And then he'll say, who do you say that I am? And the question is turned suddenly on all of us up until the climactic, abrupt ending when everyone's afraid and you're left with the question, what was that? Who then is this man? And that's our question this morning and our question every day, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that long-awaited Messiah? Do you believe that, that though you've made a great storm of your life, that Jesus can say to that, peace be still? Do you believe that though God loves you so much and you reach for power and try to stop the waves yourself, he still loves you so much? and has died for you in order to turn upside down the life which you lived, that a new one might be offered to you. And what we find in this passage is that though there are storm, stir, storms and turmoil in your life, and, and they rage on, and maybe right now they're raging on, and God hasn't said, peace, be still to that, 
But there's something far more terrifying than those storms. And it's Jesus. But he's on your side. That's the difference. Yes, he's, there's something far more terrifying than your storms, but the one who ordains that is on your side. And you and I come here with trials, right? Maybe the loss of life within your family is a real threat right now. And you ask the question that Old Testament alludes to over and over again, how long, God, will you, till you wake up and rebuke that? Or the, the financial stress of taking care of your family makes you question God, like the disciples. If I had that kind of power, I'd have done this differently, right? I would have rebuked that a long time ago. Or the way that you look, or the family that you have, or the school that you go to, or the sports team you weren't picked for. You, you ask God, why this, God? Right? I'd have done it differently. And we, we all ask these questions, and, and I'm not telling you again that if you trust God, suddenly he will tell those exact storms, peace, be still, and, and those problems will go away. I can't say that. But instead, what this does offer to us is that if you trust in God, the one who can ordain the storms, and the one who does and actively is, that you will be able to trust that things are definitely going according to his plan. And what was once ground for fear and terror is suddenly grounds for perfect peace. Not because the storms have gone away, but because the one who ordains them, you know he's on your side. Isn't that far greater? And you can be still and know that. If you trust God this morning, don't write this message off, right? The disciples, they were in the boat with Jesus, watching him do all of these things with proper evidence, and they still lost faith in him. We need to renew our faith in Christ this morning and every day. And if you don't trust Jesus or never have, take this as an opportunity to hear Jesus calling to you, though you've made a great storm of your life, though things rage on, I ordain that. I can call out to you, peace, be still. And there's stillness. In preparing for this, I, I'd like to close with reading from Psalm 46. There, this was written a thousand years before this story. But woven through the threads of this story, it kind of alludes back to this psalm that for a thousand years they were waiting for this God to come and do this thing. We're going to hear in this psalm about this God who, though the, though the waters roar and foam, he tells them to be still, just like in our story. So I'm reading from Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. And in verse 10 it says, 
Be still and know that I am God. A thousand years later, this God came. And though the waters roar and foam, he utters his voice and they melt. He says, peace, be still. Why? That you might know that he is God. And that he is with you. And that you and I should not fear, though the waters war and foam, though the earth quakes. Let us pray. Father, we, we admit that we are prone to be more concerned and more afraid of the waves and the, the literal problems in our life, God. We are prone to lose sight of your all-encompassing care of us. When things are tough, we doubt you. And God, we know it is because we do not see clearly the power that you have and that that power is on our side. God, we pray right now that you would make that very real in our hearts here and as we leave here tomorrow and we forget who you are again, remind us, God. We need a constant reminder from you. Help us to put our faith in you renewed this morning and moving forth. Amen.